This is GSAP Conversations from the Graduate School of Architecture, Planning and Preservation at Columbia University in New York City. I'm Dean Amal Andraus. Thanks for listening. Today I'm speaking with Kirsten Geers, co-founder of the Brussels-based architecture firm Office with his partner David Van Severen. Office works across scales from furniture and experimental designs and installations to large buildings and master plans and really kind of works on the relationship between their practice and academic research and teaching. Kirsten and David gave a lecture here at the school in the fall of 2015 and this semester Kirsten is teaching an advanced studio here at Columbia GSAP. He's joining me today for a conversation during the heated moment as the spring 2017 semester comes to an end and everyone is getting ready for final reviews starting next week. Welcome Kirsten. So I see you brought me a book and I love meeting you because you always bring me a book so I thought maybe we could start there uh, which is you know uh, and it's and, and pick up on the conversation I had with uh, Momoyo uh, last time about making books and books kind of uh, architects engaging the making of books again as a real uh, new hinge again between the kind of academic interests and practice. Do you want to tell me about your obsession with books? Sure. Um, well, Amal, uh, we of course, it's not the first time we talk and um, I think it's even something we very much share. Books are very important for us, very important for us as an office very important for me as an architect, um, So, but also very important, I think, in relationship to teaching. And of course, the question here is, what is a book? Uh, I'd say the little uh, object I brought here is, is more of a report, um, and it's, it's part of a series. Um, over the years, I think we started five, six years ago, and actually we started here at, at GSAP, when we did a summer studio, which was called The Big Box. Then for the first time, I think, uh, there was this, this uh, realization that we were after something, like a meta-topic, something you can talk about in a final review, but maybe it would immediately disappear if you would not kind of print it. So then we made a little report, which was called Architecture Without Content. And that became then a series of reports, always with the same title, Architecture Without Content. And in many respects, I think the title started to be a moniker for many other things, I mean, not just uh, big boxes. So in that sense, I think the relationship we have with books in relationship to uh, education is different and at the same time a bit the same as the relationship we have as an office with books. I mean, perhaps if you talk about the similarities, the first similarity is, I think, that we make all books with the same graphic designer, which is Joris Kritis, who is a, a person, I mean, I like him a lot as a person, but he's also a very good uh, graphic designer. Uh, it, it's something like um, we can talk with each other about uh, a certain format without having to endlessly explain to each other what we're really looking for. And of course, it helps that you, for five, six years, you, you do this work. It's interesting also that he is responsible for all the graphic design of the reports and at the same time he's working with us on several smaller and bigger books of the office. And so you start to understand that there are some, I would say, uh, uh, you, you can make some cross-references. No? So uh, you're doing something with the studio, uh, you make this little report together, then you make a book in the office. 
we're both aware of all of this. Plus, Princeton, the photographer, who's not always involved in teaching, even, I would dare to say, seldomly, is often involved in the final product of the book. He's uh, always involved in any book we make. So, David is, of course, maybe a little bit more from a distance, but he's always involved. I mean, he, he comes, he comes to a midterm, he sees the book, he... I mean, the book starts to play a little bit of a role even in the office, and vice versa. So, so I feel a, a book or, or, or a report is, in many ways, a place, uh, you could say a project on its own, but also a place where uh, you find things, a family of ideas. And for that reason, this particular report, which is number 15, <clears throat> I brought, I think is special in that it um, it's exactly one of these which is uh, neither one or the other. Uh, many of the reports, uh, I gave you a couple before, uh, of course we've been in a way uh, looking at all these also which we made in relationship with, uh, with uh, Colombia. Um, they are really literally showing all the student projects in all the same format as in the way they have been made. I mean, that has always been the idea, almost, I would say, in the tradition of these artist books of uh, Sol Lumet, mm -hmm. stuff like that. So, you know, he takes uh, pictures of uh, doors and then you see all these doors very systematically in a grid or photographs and stuff like that. So, very important also to, to decide to show everything, to not make a selection, but of course, since you fix the format uh, and the students work with that format, in a way, the book is always somehow vaguely there. Um, I think it organizes up to a point the way the studio works. Mm -hmm. Now, these these reports, uh, there's quite a few of them. Now, in parallel, or I would say in between certain numbers, like this number 15, um, is in a way a report of, on the one hand, a student trip. This was a student trip we did with students in, in Lausanne, in the EPFL. But uh, photographer Stefano Graziani was with us. And he photographed, uh, in this case, uh, the, the, some of the villas of Palladio and, and Scamozzi um, in that trip. And of course in a very specific way, and I think the, the photographs are in many respects, uh, I would say, uh, an echo of, of that what we thought was important or interesting and, and, and what was not. So you see often landscape, not even the building, you see sometimes detail, uh, you, you, you all of a sudden notice uh, very ambiguous ways in which either Palladio or Scamozzi or even Sansovino in this case uh, dealt with materialization that you know these almost uh, temple-like villas uh, often were made with very cheap material and and so so it is very related to the studio and at the same time it's even more related to the autonomous work of Stefano Graziani the photographer and it's even because of its I mean it's a sequence of photographs it's even closer to in a way a book we would make with the office so so I thought it was an interesting uh, in-between version but the decision at a certain point I think now uh, the studio here in Colombia is number 23 so the decision two years ago to say that, that document document that documentation is also part of the family of the reports I think it, it uh, added almost like a, the first escape door or a kind of uh, another door to another another universe I mean there's number eight which is still not finished which uh, Bas Princeton is doing uh, on uh, uh, Bramante in fact and that will be another uh, of these escape doors and so I guess you start to build doors in the series of books the moment you understand that the books uh, are a world of themselves and not anymore um, yeah, just a report. And of course, I think if you go back to your, your question in the more general sense, uh, what are books for us? I think 
books, I feel, are very related to this uh, saying uh, of, of Rossi, when he, I mean, I think it's, for me, it's one of the key texts uh, he wrote on architecture, which is called uh, Architecture for Museums, uh, in which, I mean, he paraphrases uh, Cezanne, who somehow seemed to have said, I don't know, that's what Rossi claims in the text, that uh, he painted, or he paints, at that time he did paint, uh, for museums, with which, in some way, you could understand it as the argument that uh, whatever uh, the, the painting's value or the appreciation for the painting within, say, the real world, in the place where, where it is, uh, as a painting, ultimately the only place where you can understand its context is, say, the, the cultural context, the context in which one painting reacts to another painting, is part of a family of paintings, and is even uh, to be understood within the lineage of what painting is and, and, and what painting could be that moment that day. And I think Rossi, uh, paraphrasing um, uh, Cezanne, uh, sees architecture exactly the same way. So architecture for museums is not, uh, here I show you my project for museum architecture. No, it's the argument that architecture, if you want to understand its value, you can only evaluate it, uh, evaluate it and, and value it, sorry, value it um, in this, in a way, cultural context. So I think the book it is, I think, a very, uh, I would say, effective device to, to create that context. So you have buildings, you have uh, student work, you have projects, you have assess, you have ideas. Um, they're all in the air, or not so much in the air, they're in the world. They're somewhere, they're used, they're not used, uh, they're never used because they're never realized. So many of these have very different status. But the book allows you to, to create a world, a status, a place, that's why I was referring to this, maybe this book as a place where, say, the museum in a certain sense, I mean, an alternative to the idea of museum, it's a place where all of a sudden all these things acquire value and meaning. I think that's really interesting um, uh, kind of comparison, um, but I, I would say that maybe what is more fascinating uh, for me um, is, is that you're not building a single museum. What I love about the books that you make is that they, they what you described as these series of doors, they're mm -hmm. actually a way to close the space in which architecture exists, but open it up. Uh, and it seems to me that that context is enriched mm -hmm. um, by the diversity uh, of books in which you're kind of almost collecting a body of ideas yeah, by which to re-enter uh, re-enter architecture. Oh, I think that's, that's very, very true. I mean, indeed, because I think the argument about museums uh, or, or for museums could be misunderstood as a, a desperate desire to monumentalize production. And I think it's true that the books here uh, are, are, I mean, inter I mean, the interpretation of museum, I think you have to see in the openest and widest sense. In the sense that I agree with you that it is more a place where you can collect things and you can accumulate knowledge in a certain sense. Uh, and it is absolutely true that I think architectural practice, and I think both David and myself, we, we on the one hand think we have quite an open-minded practice. At the same time, despite that, or I mean, you cannot somehow avoid, and I can't even totally explain why, but you cannot somehow avoid that, that even a relatively open-minded practice uh, is in a way... Um, um, enclosed, yes, yeah, it has its 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 uh, kind of the, the, it has its borders mm -hmm. in some sense, um, and I think especially when you want to, I mean, not just survive, but when you want to keep on living with that practice, it's important to to, uh, to keep on thinking, to keep on looking, to keep on discovering. I think the books 
and for that reason, of course, teaching, because the books in these cases, these reports are very much also echoes of the teaching, um, allow you to, to look further, to find other things, things which maybe, uh, if you would bring these same things in the office, it would be disruptive or confusing. I mean, say you, you I say something silly, you look at the architecture of uh, Hans Hollein in, in, in the 70s, of uh, the period of his uh, very beautiful in the museums of München Gladbach or something like that, and you would bring it immediately to the office, and in the office, it can't, the office can't do much with this, uh, because the office is, is, is on another track. But you can bring it in the studio, and or with, say, Gary in the 70s. You can bring it in the studio, you can discuss it, you can make things with it, you can document it, you make other projects with it together with the students. And then, in a way, the book, the report, is already um, a kind of, how to say, after you already manipulated it, you worked with it, it becomes already something else. And then it's much more ready uh, to think about it, even in the context of an office. Well, it, it's, it's exactly what I was thinking, actually, as you were showing me the, this number 15 neon Palladio. Uh, I, you know, if I had closed my eyes, I would have thought that you were talking about recent work mm -hmm. that you've been doing, the kind of sense of the presence of the landscape, the ambiguity of materials mm -hmm. and the relationship of the structure to the walls and fragments mm -hmm. and the kind of narrative and, uh, and the relationship of photography and representation, which I think this uh, report really um, emphasized by kind of uh, zooming in onto fragments. And there's a, there's a real sense that it, this could have been in your own mm -hmm. work. And mm -hmm. so I, I really see this mm -hmm. book as this kind mm -hmm. of... Uh, not some a mirror or a translator, mm -hmm. a device by which you kind of are expanding, but also focusing the practice. Would you? Uh, no, I think that's true. I mean, I can only confirm that. Um, yeah, absolutely. But it's it's also funny, right? Because you, it's also what we talk a lot about uh, in the studio with the students. Uh, for me, teaching is also making uh, students understand that, um, but that's personal conviction that. There has been a lot of emphasis on, uh, let's say, the invention and in architecture, especially in the last 15, 10, 20 years. I mean, maybe less so the last five or seven years. I mean, things come with waves. I mean, you cannot avoid that. But uh, ultimately, I think, if you accept the concept of uh, cultural production, I think in many ways, uh, what you need to try to do is you, you see something, you discover it, you redescribe it, you look at it, and, and it's the terms you use yourself to, to look at it, which make it already partly yours, right? And I mean, that's absolutely true with what you said. I mean, you could, I mean, the way I talk about the Palladio in this book, uh, the way it's documented by Stefano already makes a step. The way you then look at the photographs makes another step. It becomes, in a way, very close to your work. Uh, but ultimately, I hope, and in some cases with students, that works also very well, that, you know, they look at, you know, this semester here at... Uh, uh, GSAP, we are working at um, uh, we are working with sorry uh, with, uh, with with Gary's uh, work of the seventies a bit and with Ito uh, Ito's work in the nineties in, in the south of of Japan and in a way at first glance you think these things have nothing to do with each other that's one thing and secondly uh, you think what can you do with this now the projects as they are developing them uh, they start to gradually have other form but what you see is that you start to look at at the Ito project of ninety two you look at it with a certain prepared eye, let's say, and, and you already see partly your own project. Mm -hmm. and, and gradually you appropriate it, and gradually you're designing it in some sense. So by redrawing it, also by visiting it, and then by re-editing it in some sense. I think that's really important, absolutely. But that only happens when you're ready to, to discover. No? If you are saying, oh, you know, 
into in the 90s. It's absolutely not something I could even imagine to see. Then this will never happen. So, without wanting to suggest that now, uh, say the field is open and everything is potentially appropriateable, I'm not sure about that. Um, it is more that you, you you see you discover certain affinities with certain work, even of a certain architect, only of a certain period. But it's also true that so you move on a little bit. Uh, you you kind of walk a little bit out of your comfort zone. You're somewhere else, and then you realize, hey, actually. This architect, that production of that period, I never taken serious. And you look again, but with your kind of from your new vantage point, you might see certain things there too. So that's I think ultimately, at least that's how I'd like to see ourselves evolving. Mm -hmm. So in that context, I wanted you maybe to elaborate a little bit on this polemical uh, title that you gave the work that you've been doing here mm -hmm. in the school, architecture without content. And how, in fact, it seems to me that you void the cliches, or there's a, there's a voiding of some kind of content, mm -hmm. so that you are unable, so you unable students to to rediscover somehow. Or, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, of course, in you cannot you cannot deny. I mean, I think you're always child of a certain time, and if I speak for ourselves. Um, we are really child of, of, of a certain time. I mean, we are, I mean uh, both we, we grew up in the, in the 90s, you could say. I mean, we, we grew up as architects in the 90s. So um, I, I think uh, there was a certain, uh, I would say, um, in our opinion, rather simplistic discourse about the direct link between that what you would want to do with society or something, or that what you would want to provide the program you would want to accommodate and how the architecture would look like. And I mean, in simple terms, you would call that uh, the, the argument about content, right? Uh, now, it's of course more complex than that. Um, the architecture without content I mean, has in that sense uh, two, two sources uh, in the sense. On the one hand, it is what I was talking about before. It's in a way uh, being busy in the beginning with the big box and understanding that many buildings today, uh, I mean, of a relevant scale, are not exactly designed uh, by the architect, certainly not the inside, because the inside is not important. Uh, in a way, it's, it's something uh, which is endlessly changing, which is sometimes highly technological and so forth. I mean, I'm talking about the whole debate about data centers and so on, which was maybe more present five or six or seven years ago, and now, I mean, you've seen a lot of these. Um, on the other hand, it's also true that it is uh, trying to, um, I mean, post, say, 2008 or post-2009-10, um, say, post uh, the peak of the crisis, trying to find out uh, where you can make architecture uh, that is very present, on the one hand, which, but which is also ultimately quite pragmatic and knows that there it can operate and there it cannot. Uh, and, you know, it, it's not, I mean, to come back to the architecture for museums point, I mean, for example, we've never designed with students uh, museums. Not that I think museums are wrong, I mean, maybe we all wish to build one one day, and even then I don't know. But it's also, it's in a way um, a project which is so much not of our time. Uh, whereas mm -hmm. uh, there's thousand things which we can design, which maybe architects up to a point don't even feel they should or then haven't really taken serious, which is, by the way, doesn't mean that other people want us to design them, but maybe we can give it a try. I think that that, that for me is really interesting, <coughs> that uh, it, it actually, your practice and, and position, what I find the most inspiring is that it, it does exactly 
the opposite of what you think it's doing, which mm. is actually that you are expanding architecture's territory mm. to try to enter these programs and projects mm-hmm. that are not necessarily the focus of architects or that are not museums and, mm-hmm. and, and bringing architecture and the, the highest level of intelligence and the sort of rigor, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to these, these, these objects that are in the city or in a kind of landscape or in... So it has a real... Um, kind of sense of re-engagement uh, uh, um, um, and, and so I think that's producing some of the most interesting work where even the building that the housing building you you showed me with the kind of play with glass and as if it was marble or you know this new play with materials is also reinforcing that in very exciting ways um, and I love tying it back to the studio um, you know the programs that you took were always polemical. The big box did the data, and now this year you're. It's not so polemical, but I would say in the context of the U.S. and New York, it, it is a kind of public school mm-hmm. or a school yeah. program, right? That there's a sense that you know these are the kinds of programs that, whether the world likes it or not, we should try to reengage. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, it's funny that you say it because, of course, uh, I agree. Yeah? I mean, it was it was easy to explain to people that it was polemical to talk about big boxes, uh, and, and and you know, at the moment. Uh, these buildings didn't even look like architecture at all. But I, I think we realized in the last years that uh, in, in all this kind of... Uh, I mean, you know, the, the monumentality of these buildings in the end uh, convinces people that at least uh, in an academic context it's quite exciting to design it. But uh, now you start to see that um, yeah, very simple things like public schools uh, are ultimately completely not, I mean, it's over. Architects are hardly designing them anymore. I mean, they're designed often by this kind of commercial firms who kind of come with a package. Um, and that's scary. And especially, indeed, in, in, the, in the context, and I think we, we are all very aware of that, I mean, uh, where, I mean, say, the, say the public discourse uh, and, and the civic and what is the shared is heavily under peril uh, due to, I mean, uh, say the, the political events of the last say, say year. I mean, and it did not happen all of a sudden. It was in the air, uh, not just in America, but it's I think uh, globally uh, in India. I, mean, I think also uh, even of the election, uh, the, the kind of the vote in, in Turkey. Um, you realize that it's exactly trying to to safeguard a place where the civic is in a way tangible and ask yourself uh, to what extent the architect can, can contribute to that uh, seems now increasingly uh, to be uh, one of the key questions. Mm-hmm. And not the civic because you make enormous uh, public buildings uh, in, which are often in a way commercial co- constructions, not like I mean, Guggenheim or whatever, but rather uh, because you make very small, uh, very simple, you know, very cheap uh, buildings which yeah, which might not mediate much more with, with, the, with the city or with the immediate surroundings than a small square or a good facade or something like right. that. Uh, and, and that's, I think, increasingly important, yeah. Well, on this note, I wanted to thank you, Kirsten, because I'm really excited to see the work and I think that it's uh, quite inspiring for students and even, of course, for me to... Um, you know, have been following your trajectory and this sense of conviction is really bearing fruit now. So I'm looking forward to seeing the work. Thanks, Kristen. Thanks a lot. You can find more information about the school on our website at arc.columbia.edu.